Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. We are so excited to have Megan Edinger back on the show with us today. Megan is a 36-year-old mom of three, married to her high school sweetheart. They had their first baby just after her 18th birthday, and Megan has been on a journey with her mental and physical health ever since. She is passionate about telling her story and sharing her experience in hopes that other moms will feel less alone and feel empowered to take action to improve their own health. Megan is the host of the Finding Wellness podcast and a holistic health coach, helping women cut through all the clutter and competing information in the wellness space to find what works for them. Last week, we sat down with Megan for part one of our conversation. We had a great discussion around postpartum depression and anxiety, advocacy work, and we got to hear Megan's story as she shared her experience with teen pregnancy. Today, we dive into a discussion of how Megan uses her values to deepen her relationship with her spouse, her children, and ultimately herself. We also dive into Megan's no BS approach to life, and we know you'll love it. When we enter into our relationships and parenting, we all bring different backgrounds, different upbringings, experiences. As we build a life with another person, those differences leak into the way we try to move forward together. And they often can build walls or they can build bridges and they can bring us together. We also have done things in our lives that we try hard to steer our children clear from. And I am a number one guilty of this. I'd love to hear your stories. What parts of your lives have you and your partner been intentional about keeping and using in your marriage and parenting? And then what have you been deliberate in tossing away or getting rid of? That's such a great question. And I thought about this a lot prior to our conversation because you know, Drew and I will be celebrating 20 years together this weekend. So we're really excited about that, but we're both children of divorce, right? Neither one of us had that, um, example set for us growing up, what it takes to have strong communication and how do you heal from, how do you have healthy conflict and how do you heal from conflict that maybe wasn't so healthy? Like we didn't have any of those examples in our household. And while we are nowhere close to perfect, we've done a lot of work to get to the point that we have much more healthy conflict now than we did even just a couple of years ago. It's a constant work in progress. And that is something that we both have taken from our childhood experiences and, and have been really intentional about, you know, our relationship is really important to the, the two of us. And we are willing to put in the time and the work and the effort and do the hard things to make it that way. And, you know, <laughs> I came into this relationship and this marriage thinking that like, once we got married, that it would just be easy. Like you're supposed to always like, like this person in front of you. <laughs> well, that's what the fairy tales say. It's a happily ever after they don't talk about the arguments and you know, what happens behind the scenes. Yeah. So that's something that we're both very intentional about. And then when it comes to our children, we both had very supportive parents growing up. So we are very intentional about showing up for our kids physically in terms of like 
their parent teacher conferences and their athletic events and, you know, their award ceremonies and all of those types of things, but also like family dinners. Like we have family dinner more nights a week than not. And I know that that's not a reality in a lot of households and for lots of different reasons, but it's something that we prioritize, even though <laughs> in this season, these last couple of years, you know, practices go until seven or eight o'clock at night. And so we're not having dinner until eight 30, nine o'clock at night. It's very late, but it's what we prefer because that's what we place value in, right? Other people place value in other things. You get to make those choices for, for your own house. So that's, those are things that we are um, very intentional about. And then the last thing honestly is money. Like we never had any conversations in either of our households really about money or what to do with it or how to save it. And we've been very intentional with our kids about, you know, even budgeting, like you go on vacation and your kids want, you know, everything from the gift store or whatever. And, you know, then you have to be the bad guy because you're saying no. And so after a couple of those experiences, we just told them, okay, here's your budget. This is your dollar amount. Spend it on whatever you want. We don't care. And a lot of times what they would do is they would pull their money together and the three of them would buy one really cool thing instead of a bunch of crap that nobody really needs. It's been really cool to watch those kinds of lessons kind of develop. But the very last thing um, for me is the whole mental health piece, right? Like being open and transparent within my own family and recognizing in myself, because for a while I thought that you know, I felt bad for my kids. Like, why do my kids have the mom that can't get out of bed? Why do my kids have the mom that like, can't show up for them right now? Like this sucks for them. But I've realized through my healing journey that this is actually a gift to them because they get to see an example of someone who asks for help. And they get to see an example of someone who knows that it's okay to go to therapy and take the medicine and take the time for herself and do all of those things. Whereas you know, a lot of us had parents that just powered through and just kind of were cranky all the time. And my kids did see some of that, but more recently they get to see this other version of me. And I hope that what that will mean for them is that if, and when they ever experience their own mental health challenges, that they feel okay to ask for that help or to talk to their doctor or talk to, you know, someone else that they trust. And they don't just carry this burden alone and sit in isolation. That's so beautiful. It's really, I heard a lot of transparency in there that the way that you parent your kids is a lot of building of the relationship and transparency in that relationship. And that's so beautiful. So thank you for, for sharing all of that. I am very curious about something. We are in the midst in our family because I have a middle schooler and then a, a fourth grader. So we're in the midst of some difficult conversations with them. So sexuality and sex and drugs and abortion and all of those things that they're old enough and smart enough to hear people talking about them and yeah. wondering what they are. Do you have any feedback for our moms that are listening on having those hard conversations? How did you handle it with your oldest and, and how is it now with your your two middle schoolers, et cetera? Yeah. Um, such a great question. Such an important conversation for me. It's always been like just letting them know that the door is always open and sometimes they'll come to me and sometimes they won't. So if I start to notice things that I want to talk about with them, I'll open that door, but then I don't 
like sit them down and make them listen to like a lecture or like drag information out of them. I just kind of share some information and then leave the door open. And then sometimes they come back. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I have to encourage again, but just very small doses at a time, because otherwise they tend to, you know, tune me out or cut me off and not want to ever talk about it again. Another great thing that's been really helpful for us is going on walks alone. So my oldest and I would go, we would walk the dog and that's when we would have a lot of these kinds of conversations. My other two aren't super into that. So we're trying to find time, you know, I was wondering about that because (laughs) ours are like, mom, why do we want to go for a walk? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I'm trying, especially like the weather will be getting warmer soon. So I'll try to be encouraging that a little bit more again, but, um, that's what really worked for Timmy and I. That's when we had a lot of those conversations, but for the other two, like, sometimes I just want to be like, can you go ask your dad about that? Like, why are you coming to me? <laughs> I know. Right. I think my husband feels good because we have two girls. And so they come to me and they're like, mom, what's this? And you're like, Okay. <laughs> yeah. But so that's a great example. So my daughter just had her period for the first time mm-hmm. and I had suspicions that it was going to be coming. So I kept, you know, opening that door. Like these are some warning signs that you might be getting your period soon. This is what your first experience with your period is going to look like. And she was like, you know, holding her ears like, la, 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 <laughs> you know, I don't talk about this, but it, it did end up being very helpful for her. And now that she has it, I still am kind of like, okay, you know, after you get your period, after you're done bleeding, then you have like, there's different phases of your cycle. And you're going to find that you have more energy here and less energy here. You're going to probably be more hungry, you know, on these days, like those types of things, it's probably in one year and out the other. But if I keep continuing to just kind of like drop these little nuggets, it's not, not a full-blown conversation. It's not like this hour long thing. It's just like, Hey, just so you know, like X, Y, Z, and then just kind of keep it moving. I feel like, you know, I hope that it will land. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Those are all parents have to have to do it, but not a lot of parents talk about it. Yeah. With others to say, this kind of sucks <laughs> to have to have these conversations. So thanks, Megan. Yeah. I wish that I had had somebody walk me through my cycle and the phases to that degree. So I, I'm sure your daughter will one day, maybe not at the moment, but one day come to appreciate that. Cause I, I, there's so much that I never understood until being an adult. So that's awesome. Now you have a podcast. We were guests. I highly recommend going and listening to the episode. (laughs) Um, it was formerly known as the no BS mama. And I have to admit, I was really attracted to the title of your podcast. You've since rebranded and we'll touch on that in a minute, but I, I loved this idea of the no BS mama. And I'd love to talk about that for a minute because you presented yourself in that way. You talked about this idea of no BS in Mm -hmm. motherhood. What does that mean to you? Why did you pick that? Yeah, it was important to me for, you know, people that found the podcast to understand, yes, motherhood is beautiful and it's great. And we love our children and, you know, all of those things that you expect, right. And there's a lot of unexpected and there's a lot of BS and there's a lot of things that we just don't talk about or acknowledge. And really we try to hide it even from ourselves, let alone share it with other people in our life, because God forbid, you know, they have a very strong, different opinion or they're, they want to judge you now because of the things you have to say. So I really 
wanted to bring this content from the lens of there's no right way to be a mom. There's no best way to do really anything. I'm going to bring on some other moms that are going to tell you about their experiences and how they've handled things. And I'm going to bring in some experts in the field to give you some advice, but every mom, every kid, every family is very different. So I'm just bringing all of these people and all this information to you. Take what serves you, leave what doesn't. Don't feel bad if you've tried this thing and it didn't work. That's fine. You know, find something else, try something else. Cause I just feel like there are so many people out there that are like, you have to do it this way. Or if you don't do it this way, you're going to mess up your kid in this way. And while there are, you know, some very extremes that, you know, those things might be true. There's a lot of nuance to motherhood and parenting and relationships and mental health and all of those things that really are not one size fits all. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and especially in our world of social media, where we're constantly seeing the highlight reel of other parents' lives and how they're parenting and what their homes look like. And it is a lot of BS, you know, social media is a lot of BS. <laughs> and then you, you had also mentioned just kind of this comparison piece and how we try to find this one way that we're supposed to do something. And that immediately made me think of all the parenting books I read, right? All the experts we listen to. And if you are searching Google for the answer to a question, you will undoubtedly find thousands upon thousands of of articles you can dive into, YouTube videos you can watch, experts you can follow on Instagram, quote unquote experts. And you're left feeling more lost than when you start it. And somewhere along the way, we've lost this ability to trust our maternal instincts, to trust our gut. And, and, you know, some of the stuff that you had talked about made me think of that. Like, yes, it's nice to have other experts and to see all this stuff now that we have with social media and all these parenting books and Amazon dropping a book to you the next day so you can get right on reading. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But at the same time, there almost needs to be blinders on or a pause button where we can step back and say, what do I know to be true about myself as a mother, my family altogether, my child? Because nobody knows our child like we do. Do you have a specific no BS mom story that you could share with us? This episode is sponsored by Her Circle, the supportive and welcoming community for moms created by Her Health Collective. Her Circle is a welcoming and supportive community for moms who are passionate about making change for themselves, their families, the community, and the world. Together, this village of women are revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. From an active, private online community and the incredible daily chats hosted there to our many virtual gatherings, including support groups, Moms Night Out, volunteer opportunities, book club, family adventures, coffee chats, and so much more. We love providing moms the chance to connect and create authentic relationships with one another. The network of experts in her circle are a phenomenal resource and provide great learning experiences for moms on topics ranging from women's health to parenting. We cover the issues that matter to moms the most, from virtual expert Q&As to one-on-one wellness minute consultations and support groups. We are committed to getting moms in front of the information, experts, and support they need most. To learn more about her circle, head to www.herhealthcollective.com slash her dash circle. 
We have a limited number of spaces and the doors only open a few times a year. So be sure to add your name to the no obligation waitlist so you are the first to know when the doors officially reopen. Not really any specific one. I just feel like my life has been a collection of these experiences that Again, I choose to see through the lens of humor, you know, (laughs) nothing ever goes according to plan. You know, you take your family on this great vacation and the kids are miserable on the travel day because everybody's up early. You know, like there, there are things to even these great experiences that just suck and you have to, you just have to know that it's coming and just be okay with it, I guess. Um, And that's just kind of how I approach my really parenting style altogether is just like, and my kids even know, like I talk to them with this total no BS approach too. They know it, their friends know it. And I think it's really helpful for our relationship because they don't ever have to wonder, is she being passive aggressive? Like, what does she mean by that? I've always really spoken to them like, like adults. Yeah. I'm, I'm picturing you with like a girlfriend right now who maybe is pregnant or just had a child. We've only met a few times, you know, I, I can't, but I, I can't picture you being mean in anything you're saying, but I feel like you, you would definitely be honest and Mm -hmm. and say, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And this is likely even with how you are approaching your daughter, her menstrual cycle. And I I think there's power and honesty, but some people aren't very good at it. They're Mm -hmm. not very practiced at it. Well, your podcast is now finding wellness. You've rebranded and it's now finding wellness. Tell us about the rebrand. What, what is finding wellness mean to you now? Yeah. The community is still mostly moms and the finding wellness rebrand came from this place of, you know, wellness is a journey and you never really get there because your life is always changing. I'm in a much different phase of parenting now than I was, you know, even two years ago or even last year with one being, you know, several hours away. And so there's always these ebbs and flows and your wellness and the way that you support your physical health and your mental health is always going to have to shift. And there's just so much noise in the wellness space, just like in the parenting space, you know, that you, you have to do it this way, or you, you know, you're never going to lose the weight or you're never going to get the energy or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. There's someone out there saying that, you know, you have to do it this way. And so my purpose again, is to bring people on, let them share their stories and experiences, and just kind of let you see that there is no one best way. There's a way that works for you right now. And what works for you right now might not work for you tomorrow. And it might be different than what worked for you two years ago. So really helping people weed through all of that content. And like you mentioned, tune back into themselves and figure out what works for me, what feels good for me. I love it. There's still a theme of no BS in there Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) Was this a practice for you, Megan? So did it take you trial and error in order to put those blinders on to be able to tune out all of the BS with parenting and the BS with wellness, et cetera? Yeah. So again, lucky for me, when my kids were little, there was Google, but there was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was no Pinterest. There wasn't all this information coming at you. There was information available to you if you were looking for it, but it wasn't just 
always just right in your face. Like it is today. So I had to rely on my instincts and the people like around me in my immediate circle. And that's an experience that's really been robbed of a lot of new moms today from the time, even, even trying to conceive, you're just being like thrown all and the algorithms are so good. Now they know that you're looking for something before you do, right? So you're getting access to all this information even before you need it. So I didn't really have too much of that when my kids were very little, but again, as we've gotten older and, you know, social media has become more of a presence in my life, there has definitely been, you know, that comparison or just that information that I didn't ask for. And wellness has been no different. And really over the last couple of years, I have spent a lot of time unlearning diet culture and then mm, like yes. re-understanding, okay, Megan, you can choose to eat the salad. And that doesn't mean that you're subscribing to diet culture. That means that, you know, your body wants a salad today and that's an, that's okay. Um, like I had to do this whole, like unlearning and relearning again. And now I'm going to nutrition school and learning more about holistic health just in general, but yeah, it's been it's been a very significant journey. And then just even learning what kinds of things do I need consistently every day versus what do I need, you know, maybe a couple of times a week and then making sure that I get those things because we all know, we all have some idea of like what we need, but actually doing those things or making sure that we get them is a little bit of a different story sometimes. So unpacking why that might be and setting up, you know, systems and structure for yourself to set yourself up for success um, has been something that I've spent a lot of time doing. Yes. Yes. I also have spent a lot of time trying to unlearn diet culture. It had its claws in me very deeply at one point in my life, which leads me to another kind of off the cuff question that I had, or I have for you. So how many years are between your oldest and your second child? Four. Four. So in the four years between then, then do you see a shift in any changes in your parenting? between the two of them, like what has, has changed so much. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? Yeah. And you know, not even just in my parenting, but again, we were very young when we had Timmy and we were still pretty young when we had the other two, but they don't, the little two, they're little, they're taller than I am, but I still call (laughs) them the little two. They don't remember when we literally could not go out to the school fundraiser at Friendly's because we could not afford a $50 dinner. They don't remember mom and dad not being able to buy gas today and trying to figure out like, who can we catch a ride to work with because we don't get paid until tomorrow. Like they don't remember that. And Timmy does. So my little two expect more when it comes to like Again, for example, I mentioned Katie's on this travel soccer team. We could have never done that for Timmy when he was that age. You know, we had two more in daycare at the time. Like the things were just different. So that's been a really different experience. But then also because I have acknowledged my own mental health and I know that some of the ways that I behave wasn't necessarily healthy. And I've unlearned a lot of that. I parent differently because of it. And so while Timmy and I have a really great relationship right now, I still feel really guilty about some of his experiences versus the other two, even though four years is really not that much. It just, it feels like so much has changed. It's like impossible to, there might as well be 10 years difference, right? Um, There's, they're just so different. Well, I mean, 
not to compare your child to a cell phone, but look at the size of cell phones in just a year or two, right? Like they were humongous and then now they yeah. get in the pocket. So it's, <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I relate so much to what you're saying um, with just getting too engrossed in the parenting books, having conflicting things in my head all the time, trying to get back to myself and relearning what it, I feel like listening to myself. And that's for so many things, parenting, my body with, with exercise, my body with eating, setting up boundaries. It's a constant, constant work in progress. So I just, I love the honesty that you, that you've shared with us. Yeah. Thank you. And that, you know, the constant work in progress, that used to be something that pissed me off, honestly, because I was like, (laughs) like, it's so cliche. It's, (laughs) but not only that, but like, why is this so much work? Like, it doesn't look like anybody else is working this hard to just live a normal life. Thank you. I say that to my therapist all the time. I'm like, why, why does it seem so hard for me? Yeah. And the reality is again, it's hard for everyone else too. whether or not they're doing the work, they're living their own version of hard. So you might as well go ahead and do the work because you're going to make life hard anyway, if you don't. But yeah, that was something that initially I was just like, I fought against it tooth and nail because mm-hmm. I was like, it shouldn't be this hard, but it is life is just hard. Or you want a quick fix, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you don't want it to take 10 years to talk through all of your stuff. You want it to be like one week. That's all I'm giving it. Yeah. <laughs> but it just doesn't work that way. Even with our partners, you know, you think you learn this new like communication style and it works well the first time. And then the second time you go to use it, it blows up in your face and you're like, what? Like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought we learned this. It's like, well, you know, it takes more than one time. <laughs> it does, right? Hi, they. What a joy it is to talk to Megan. Here are our top three takeaways from today's episode. One, Megan's discussion of values was spot on. It is so important to explore what your values are as a family and individually, and to make sure that you are living in alignment with those values. For Megan, it's family dinners. She didn't explicitly say this, but I also picked up on her values of being honest with her kids, supporting her children by attending their extracurriculars, and having an open line of communication with her children. Side note, I love her bite-sized approach to important topics of conversation. It's such a good way to approach tough topics with kids. Each family will have different values and different priorities which is exactly as it should be. The important thing is that you are living in alignment with those values as a family unit. Two, I love Megan's no BS approach to relationships, motherhood, and life. She's right. There is no right way to be a mom. We get so wrapped up in comparing ourselves to what we see other parents doing, what the quote unquote experts say we should be doing, and wrapping ourselves up in that judgment. Don't do it. Stop. Let's all be real about how challenging parenting can be and let go of the rigid expectations we hold for ourselves. Stop comparing. Stop expecting perfection. Each day will look differently and your best is always more than enough. Three, our health and wellness are not static. 
Our health will ebb and flow throughout our lives, and that is crucial to remember, particularly in the postpartum period. The idea of our body bouncing back after baby is antiquated and generally does more harm than good. As challenging as it can be, we must learn to accept and appreciate our body where it is right in this moment. That doesn't mean we have to love everything about our body, but it does mean we should practice gentle kindness towards ourselves. Your body does not deserve a daily beating and berating. Your body has carried you through so much. Everything you've done, everything you've accomplished, everything you've endured and survived, it's because of your body. It has carried you through. Your body deserves love and appreciation. Thanks for listening, friend. If you are one of our beloved Patreon supporters, you've got bonus content from Megan where we dive into some of Megan's most influential lessons she's experienced. Head over to your Patreon account and check it out. High five, friend. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us so you're the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you've enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you. 